questions, I came in this day. Well, welcome. Welcome to our deep dive into this week's message where we're looking at Mark 8, 22 to 26, and we've got today Caleb, Joanne, and me, Kerry. And uh, we're just going to take some time to look at the passage again, to think about the message that Joanne brought, and just to unpack some of the things that might have come up uh, since we heard it on Sunday. And if you're listening, if you're watching now, then feel free to ask any questions that come up for you. Uh, just post them. We will do our best to answer them here and now. And if we can't answer them, then we'll get back to you. So we might start by just looking at the passage again. It's Mark 8, 22 to 26. Thank you. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then, spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, Can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him away, saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. Hmm. Short passage? Short passage. <laughs> nice and quick. Nice and quick. But I think, Joe, that when you were looking at it, the Lord really spoke to you about a particular thing in the passage? He did. Yeah, I'd, I had decided that I, oh no, I get, obviously the Lord led me in just to focus on the two words that kind of stuck out were, that were, it was some people. Some people. Yeah, some people's, um, those two words kind of um, stuck out to me. Um. Yeah, really. And then it kind of just flowed on from there um, and then I thought it was important to share my personal testimony. Yeah. Uh, I don't think people do that enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's super powerful when you do hear someone's story. It is, Because yeah. it brings so much more life to actually where you are now too. Yeah, that's right, yeah. It brings the gospel alive and makes it real, you know, that uh, I think that if you're, you're sharing with people about God, you know, well, they'll say, well, why? You know, and then you can share, this is why, because I've experienced Christ. And I think it's hard if you, you know, hard to share about faith unless you've experienced it, you know, and understand it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, while we're talking about story, how did you go about learning how to tell your story? Like, did you start, like, with writing it out and then, like, yeah, telling was... someone from the piece of paper or was it yeah. over time you've learned these are different parts I'm going to talk about or...? Um, I... The, I... Things just start flowing in my head and I just put that down to the Holy Spirit, starts putting ideas in my head and images and, um, yeah, and so I kind of... I write everything that down, whether it's in order or not, I don't care. I just write them all down and then if I get another idea, usually it's in the middle of the night. <laughs> you Always. know, and I'm, yeah, I'm thinking, you know, I, have, I get up and I, I just write it out and then I start to sort it out later on. And then, yeah, so the idea of some people and then I thought, well, they were instigated, they instigated and that kind of led me to 
you know, who instigated what in my life, you know. And so then I kind of built on that. And then I practised a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just walking around and talking it out in my head and, you know, that sort of stuff. And then I kind of kept building. And then right up until what, you know, Saturday night, I was still kind of fine-tuning things, you know, and adding extra things. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a good model for us that whenever we feel that God is working or doing something in our lives to write it down. Yeah. Sometimes we forget and so we go back and we read the stories and then we can craft them so that we can tell people and be an instigator for God which was like really what you were saying that calling each one of us into the ministry of discipleship. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I knew that the word instigator would could you know it obviously causes problems for you know because we have lots of things in the media at the moment where people are instigating stuff and yeah so I wanted to definitely clarify you know what we're talking about you know yeah amen being an instigator for God God. I loved it I love it and I love how just two words in the passage sort of blossomed into this (laughs) huge you know idea that that And that's the beauty of God's word that, you know, you can come back to it time and time again and something just really, I don't know, jumps out at you. And there's there's some people, this is what we need to hear today. We need to hear that some people brought this man, that we can bring people to Jesus. Yeah. 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 Always learning. That's what I like. And I think the other thing that I really appreciated in the talk was how you joined the dots from the other Gospels, particularly about the nature of Bethsaida, the town. Yeah, and it was something I learnt too because uh, when I looked in I thought, well, let's find out about this town, you know. I always like to kind of find the t- context and the history behind of what's going on and so and I discovered it myself and I thought, oh, wow, Jesus had, you know, cursed this town. This was this, whoa, you know, like, whoa. Um, so, yeah, it was a good learning point for me too. And So for, for somebody who's not... Um, aware of a biblical curse, like yeah. curse might just be somebody swearing yeah. or it might be like a voodoo curse. Yeah, like what, yeah, yeah. What does it Well, I kind of did a little bit more research into it just yesterday about curses and, you know, they're all, they're actually all throughout the Bible, you know. They're like you say, they can be verbal curses that someone curses somebody else. Uh, in terms of God, God right at the beginning cursed. He cursed Adam and Eve. He cursed Cain. He cursed the serpent, you know. He cursed the ground, you know. Um, and But I think we need to look at it and see why he was doing it, you know. It wasn't just because, you know, he was in a bad mood <laughs> and he wasn't doing it because, you know, you know, he wanted to show, you, you know. He, he, he did it because there was a reason for it. Mm. And for Adam and Eve, it's because they sinned. Mm. You so know. could you even say that it's kind of like a punishment in this moment? Well, is it yeah, like a punishment I, or is there a distinction between the two? That's a good question. I'm not smart enough to answer that. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess because, you know, if you look at Israel when he, you know, and the prophets had to give this message of cursing, you know, you're, you're doomed. You know, another way of looking at it is doom or, you know, or woe as mm. we find in the New Testament. Mm. Um, in the end, it was punishment because they were punished mm. because they disobeyed God. So I think it's related, but it kind of it's 
you know, kind of end result. I don't know mm. if that's the right word, but yeah. Yeah, I think often the curse is a result of our disobedience. Yeah, exactly. It's sort of like if um, if a father said to a child, don't go near the fireplace. Yep. If you don't go near the fireplace, you'll be blessed. If yeah. you go near the fireplace, you're going to be cursed. Yeah, the can, kid yeah. goes near the fireplace and gets burned. That's right. And that's the result of the disobedience. Yeah. I think I sort of see it like that. Mm. Yeah. I think of uh, different towns that were destroyed maybe in the Old Testament or something. Mm. And yeah. They were, yeah. They were given the opportunity though to repent. And, and this is where I think about it in terms of punishment. Well, I mean, a punishment comes because an action was inflicted on someone or something. And so alternatively, that punishment doesn't get removed. But... A curse is almost sometimes a bit of a forewarning and quite often it's actually about, well, if you're going to do this, like you say, if you go near the fire, you're going to get burnt. There's an opportunity to change your ways, turn away from the fire, move away from all of this. Uh, And so subsequently, they don't necessarily get burnt and that's where I think I find the distinction between the two. One's because they ignored the wisdom of what the curse was preventing and the punishment comes, but there's a chance to turn before the curse actually sort of Absolutely. happens. And, and that's Definitely. where there's a difference Definitely. between today and back in a biblical context maybe, if we think about that, there might be a difference because we curse now and it's just an in-the-moment, reactionary, verbal, yes. physical action to something. And so it's much more forced upon because of stuff rather yeah. than… And I think when God gives it, a, when he pronounces a curse, he explains why he yeah. does it. He did that with Jesus explained it to, you know, beside her. Yes. You're cursed because you did not repent. Yes. You know, so, you know, I yeah. think with with the, with the curse it always is an explanation why, mm. you know. And it's interesting that, that Jesus picked out towns. Yeah. Because I often think it's just an individual relationship between yeah. God and, yeah. and everyone else. Yeah. But here he's talking about towns and yes. he's saying that, you know, it's going to be worse for you yeah. in the judgment, yeah. Bethsaida, yeah. than it was for Sodom but, and Gomorrah. Yeah, yeah. So I find that really interesting. Yeah, and if you looked at what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah, yeah. you'd think, whoa, that's yeah. that's new. And it's not just towns. You know, he groups people together. You think of the 12 yeah. tribes of the Israel. Yes. You know, it's... Yeah. The Levites, you know, they're going to be God's people. But when there was like, say, something happening in Dan, well, there's a message out to the tribe of Dan, you need to do this as an atoning sacrifice to then be able to come into right place with God again. Um, Or it's Judah, you're stuffed up again, buddy, you know. (laughs) But, you know, it's it's a very different way of thinking about life. We've become so individualized now, so individual, and the punishment's to the person that committed the crime. It's not to the family, you know. Even family shame doesn't have the same value as what it used to. No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. And I think in Revelation it talks about nations being judged. Yeah. So... Come on, Australia, pull our act together. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Don't want the woe. (laughs) So um, what about the healing part of this this passage? Yeah, well. Let's take a bit of a look at that. I'll just get my phone open. I, I, we, we maybe don't have to address this right now, but I have a really interesting question you might be able to answer or have some insights into. We're talking about this healing and so far we've all seen instantaneous uh, healings. Like it just was they had faith, Jesus forgave them from their sins and now they're healed because Jesus puts hands on, he, he says something to them, asks them to do something and in that moment they're healed. 
Yeah. This one, it's it's got a dual part, you know. He, he partially heals. Yes. And then it's like, I can see stuff that looks like moving trees. Mm-hmm. And then it's, Jesus does another action. And then it's healed. Mm-hmm. So maybe at some point we can get to that. But Yeah, what well, first? I think just kind of going back and reflecting more uh, about it, that I, I think the whole chapter, from where you started, mm-hmm. the beginning of the chapter, we have to, we, I take it as, you know, what can we learn in ministry about this? And what stands out to me is compassion. And the whole theme from the beginning of the chapter up and you know up until this point, and we're going to see what happens in the rest of the verses. But I see compassion and tenderness, and I think that's really important as leaders to have that compassion and tenderness when we're leading people. And um, yeah, you see this in Jesus. Taking the hand of the man, the man and leading, leading him, him away out. from the crowd, yeah. who possibly were there just to see a miracle. Yep, maybe yep. were using him like a bit of a circus act, treating him as an individual, taking him aside and just being one on one with him. Yeah, that's Very right. Compassionate. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, and you know, you know, Jesus chose to do the miracle um, with with not everyone watching. You know, so it wasn't going to be a spectacle. You know, and I think. That you know, we we have to be careful that Christianity isn't a you know a tourist attraction, you know, and you know, and that's one of the things you know. We've all been to Israel, and you know that every site where Jesus will Oz, what's there? How long's the line in this? That's crowd? right. <laughs> a church. They build a church on every. And I just thought, is that what Christianity is? Yeah. A tourist attraction? Oh my, dream world again. <laughs> That's right. And so he took the man away from the crowds and from everything. And, you know, and away from really somebody wrote when I that I was that I read, you know, yesterday that, you know, the darkness of the the the, of the sin of the village. So you took him away from all that Mm. and kind of just quietly worked with him. Mm. Privacy. Which is, you know, something that we can't do these days, you know. I love that. Yeah. Oh, I wondered if it related to, you know, Marcus put it straight after that previous passage about the Pharisees and the leaven of mm. the Pharisees and mm. no sign will be given to this generation. Yeah. So here you've got Bethsaida yeah. being a town that's, you know, being cursed yeah. by Jesus for not repenting. So you're not going to see this. Yeah. I'm taking this man away. Yeah. I'm doing it privately. And I'm also going to do it in a place where you can't go back. You know, at the end it was don't go back to the village. Well, yeah. you know, this is starting to bring a lot of sense to yeah. don't go into that place of sin. That's you know, right. This, was, this yeah. is the part of the cause maybe. That's what mm. they believed at the time. These mm. uh, defects, the sicknesses, the illnesses were reflective of a life lived. And he's saying don't go back to that. Yeah. And I, and I think too, yeah, exactly. Because, you know, Jesus didn't actually have to take him out. And do that. He could have just healed him right there. That's right. And, and what a statement of uh, discipleship that yeah, would have been. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and he didn't have to put his hand on him. He didn't have to touch him. He didn't have to speak. One thing coming to your your discussion now is that, you know, Jesus heal, doing it twice, that's, that's not signifying that Jesus didn't have the power to heal him. Absolutely not. Definitely not, no. Absolutely not, you know. Um, why he did it, maybe it was because he was being tender and compassionate with the man. 
Because the man obviously was not born with blindness because he recognised that the people look like trees. Yeah, so he obviously... Good point. Yeah, he wasn't, you know... Um, so, yeah, I, you know, he... And possibly he, he, he didn't necessarily have a lot of faith and so Jesus yeah. gave him a little bit of healing yeah. Yeah. and then the full healing as his faith sort of grew. Yeah, that's um, right. And I think, again, it's an important thing as leaders that we need to, and as disciple, you know, mm. people, you know, tenderness. Mm. You know, we, sometimes we need to go gently yeah. with people. Yeah. Other times, yeah. Mm. You know, meet people where they are. That's right, and then take them the next step. Yeah, that's right. And then maybe One the step next. Yeah, time. exactly. Yeah. That's right. So for me, it's about learning another part of ministry, and about how to lead people and things like that. And I feel like God has done that with me. He's taken me step by step. Yeah. You know, it's sort of a bit like going around a corner. I think I see everything very clearly, but as you go around the corner, you realise oh, there's a little bit more to this scene than I realise. And then you go a bit further around and you think, oh, there's a little bit more to yeah. God than I realise. So, hmm. Yep, definitely, definitely. Mm. Um, another thing too is that, um, you know, he didn't tell him not to speak. He said, just don't go into yeah. the village. So I think, you know, that was, you know, a thing clear. And it's also too that this this miracle is the only miracle recorded. There's only one recording of this miracle. Yes, it's not in yeah, the other Gospels. Yeah, it's not in any of the other Gospels, yeah. which I find interesting yeah. why that is. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure. but mm. Well, on that aspect, the way I understand it is the, the, the Gospels emphasise each other. Mm. And so Mark was the first written Gospel. Got that right. Phew. <laughs> Bible degree still good. <laughs> but... Maybe seeing this, this letter's been passed around. The account's been passed around a bit. And, you know, Matthew and Luke, they're, they're the next couple to be written. And then John at the end, well, they're like, well, this has been accounted for already. It's a good lesson, but we don't need to reaffirm it like something such as maybe the feeding of the 5,000, which is recorded in three of them or, um, yeah, might be, it gives the full picture and they're focusing on other aspects, noticing it's already there. Um, mm. But I love what you're saying there about uh, don't don't uh, not talk about it. He, as you're saying, he's not going, don't go and not tell people what you've done. He yeah. said that in other miracles. Don't yeah. tell people yet. It's not my yeah. time to be recognized as yeah. the Messiah. Yeah. But he's actually saying here, don't go back to the village. Emphasizing what's saying, don't go back to the life of sin. You know, and it's a really saying you still need to proclaim the good works God's done in your life. You know, how can yes. you do that and not witness to it? It's a, it's almost like a, you're withholding the grandeur that's happened and being yeah. selfish almost, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, we don't know if he had family. We don't really have any details whatsoever. Perhaps he went back to his family and started sharing with them. Who knows, you know? it's uh, It's kind of leaves that to your imagination a little bit where, you know, you think, well, maybe he went home and to all his friends and his family and, you know. And and so what do you think happened to the some people? I mean, I know it's yeah. not in there. Yeah. But, you know, know, the fact that they purposely brought the man to be healed and then they're, like, excluded? Yeah. Well, you, I guess, I don't know, we don't know their motivation why they did it. Was it to get a tick, you know, little brownie points, you know, scores and because they probably knew of what Jesus said about Bethsaida and so maybe, you know, they wanted to try and... 
redeem themselves. You know? Notice me, teacher, sort of thing, yeah, maybe. You know, look at the, look yeah. At the yeah, and how often do we do that? Is you know, like, God, look at the good things I've done. You know, <laughs> washed my hands three yeah. times today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really interesting passage, and I think it's it's lovely just to have this conversation around it. Is there anything mm. else that you feel you really want to bring out from it, or? Um. <laughs> Just uh, don't think so. Uh, I love the language actually. Yeah. That's used. If you go back to verse twenty-two, mm. it says some people brought a blind man, and in my version it says begged. Yes. Begged Mine says Jesus. Begged. begged Jesus. Yeah. You know, I love the language that's used. It's very, you know, um, I don't know what the word is, but it's mm. yeah. Mm. Yeah, they beg Jesus to beg touch Jesus. him, mine says. Yeah. It's it's a very uh, practical thing that they've done, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I guess it, it it leaves us with the thought, you know, is there what's the practical application that we have? You know, if they're begging Jesus for something. What What's the practical application that you want to have, you want other people to have, that you hope the church has? Us? Like how does a beg... Uh, actually fit within this context of the passage. Well, well, it's it's interesting, uh, that begged, isn't it? Because if you yeah. think about the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer says, you know, give me today my daily bread. And, of course, uh, you know, our Father is going to give us everything that we need. But then there's another passage where uh, he talks about being um, consistent in prayer and asking again and again. Um so I suppose, therefore, the deep desires of our heart or because God knows what we need, so we don't need to beg him for those things. He's going to supply those. Well, even taking that begged word out, it's more about the, what's the application for us in this, you know. In this context of the passage, what is it that we're taking away from it? Um, firstly, to be willing, you know, don't harden your heart towards God. And I'm amazed at how Christians can harden their heart. And you're probably thinking, well, how can Christians do that? Quite easily. <laughs> you know, I've done it where you're stubborn about something when God's speaking to you about something like forgiving someone or, you know, or, you know, reaching out to someone and we can be stubborn about it. You know, and so, yeah, that definitely is, you know, to be willing and to keep an open heart before God. Um, and to ask God yeah. for what we believe we need yes. and be willing to let him mould us, I suppose, and say, well, Kerry, you don't actually need that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Mm, I like it. And, and I think when I look at this, I'm just re reflecting on Jesus' words, you know, and he first checks in with people. Can you see anything now? You know, there's a, there's a yeah. check-in point. So for us, we really need to be checking in with people and particularly in a spiritual sense, you know. I think we, we focus so long, much these days on what's your mental health like? Are you okay? Yeah. You know, uh, how are you physically? Uh, what's your health like? You know, uh, what's, but we, we, we need to be intentional in asking spiritually, how are you? And then 
there is still. Yeah, we a, don't ask that, do we? No. Uh, Spiritually, uh, how are you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's it's an interesting question. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. How, how are you spiritually, Caleb? Oh, how long you got? <laughs> no, no, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. But no, but that's that's a really good question to ask because we do say, "Are you okay?" Yeah. But spiritually, you know, what's happening with you and your relationship with God? Yeah. So I, I reflect on that, and I think that's a really powerful yeah. uh, words of Jesus checking in. So as a family, we need to check in and ask that question. And, and the other things that's here in red letters is don't go back into the village on your way home. We need to be encouraging our friends, our brothers and sisters to make sure you don't fall back into the life of sin. Don't go back. If we're using that path that we've been talking about today, making sure, you know, maybe there's a level of accountability and your sermon, discipleship goes on further than just introduction to Christ. Uh, And so pushing actually further on. Are you actually okay to do this? Uh, What, what... And then are you, how, how are you not going to do that? Pushing it further with that accountability, with that follow-up, with that life lived and actually doing that with each other. Mm. Definitely great. Yeah. Yeah, I think accountability is really important because um, I know when I, when I tell my life group that I'm going to do something, then, uh, you know, I have this reminder. <laughs> you got to either have to fix and, up and, and you say, hate that feeling when you say, it. I didn't do it. <laughs> well, yeah, that's one of the biggest things that we've done in our families. If you say you're going to do something, then do it. Because mm, it makes you check what you're saying for starters and what you commit to. You know? Or let your yes be yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yes, yes. Yeah, so good. Yeah, lovely. Okay. Very good. That's been a great conversation. And um, again, if you're listening or watching and you've got any questions that have been raised, then just please send them in to us. Uh, But we might just finish with some prayer. Joe, would you like to finish in prayer? Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you uh, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the new insights that we've learnt today. We pray that uh, those who have been listening and watching that uh, they have received something, Lord, and that it will stick in their hearts and that they want to know more, Lord. We just thank you for this, Lord, and we just ask for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, guys. Thank you. Been great.